Um, good evening. We are going to do a session on God, the God of the valley, or the God of the down days, or the God of the bad days. I think this this should be important in the sense that nowadays we, we have come to believe in a God of the good days, a God of uh, the up days, the God of the good times, but not the God of the bad times we somehow come to believe really that when we are not prospering when we when you're sick when we feel lonely when we are unable to get our prayers answered in the affirmative then we are doing something wrong then god is against us then men and angels and whichever are then faith itself is beyond us, it's against us. So we're going to begin with a poem by Khalil Gibran called Defeat. I don't know why I like the poem, but let's see. So it reads, um, Defeat, my defeat, my solitude and my aloofness. You are dearer to me than a thousand triumphs, and sweeter to my heart than old world glory. Defeat, my defeat, my self-knowledge and my defiance. Through you, through you I know that I am yet young and swift of foot, and not to be trapped by withering laurels. And in you I have found aloneness. And the joy of being stunned and, and the joy of being shunned and scorned. Defeat, my defeat, my shining sword and shield. In your eyes I've read that to be enthroned is to be enslaved. And to be understood is to be leveled down. And to be grasped is but to reach one's fullness. And like a ripe fruit to fall and be consumed. Defeat, my defeat, my bold companion, you shall hear my songs and my cries and my silences, and none but you shall speak to me of the beating of wings and urging of seas and of mountains that, that burn in the night, and you alone shall climb my steep and rocky soul. Defeat, my defeat, my deathless courage, you and I shall laugh together with the storm, and together we shall dig the graves, and together we shall dig graves for all that die in us, and we shall stand in the sun with a wheel, and we shall be dangerous. So that's the end of this poem. Uh, it's interesting to me, of course, Khalil was a Christian writer, he would write on on, on many things, but I find the poem fascinating that the writer here, or the poet here, find that defeat is actually beneficial to him. He says um, in verse 4 that defeat is my bold companion. And the last stanza says defeat is my deathless courage. And then stanza one, defeat is my solitude 
and my aloofness and this defeat to him is dearer to him than a, a thousand triumphs and sweeter to my heart than all than all world glory so i shall give part of my story here in this in this manner there was this time i was trying to to really be good at the things i was doing um in making money in school and there are things i do and um it seemed to me that no matter how much i tried as always falling falling backward falling on my face uh, falling sideways and falling is falling in all directions to borrow from the other podcast i did and it was really it was really heartbreaking to me i came to question um the nature of things really is is god is god for real does god does it mean that when you love god you're not going to suffer or what does it mean by by these preachers who say that if you love god then you're going to prosper you're going to they usually quote the verse in malachi chapter 3 verse 10 where i don't know if you if you if you give tithes you're going to you're going to be rich and stuff like that but is it really is it really is it really the application of the case does it mean that by a mere mutual loving god then god is 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 honored by by such an act is god is god unable to to handle pride that any the slightest of of cares from a human being takes him off balance is he flattered by by our small actions is he flattered by our prayers so that when we when we love him just a bit then he's beyond himself he has to act you know if if god is sovereign then it means that his plans stand above our plans which verse says that i think it's a uh, proverbs chapter 16 verse 3 uh, there's a motorbike outside my window hope you can hear me and i'm slightly tired it's been a long day a chat day so it says proverbs 16 verse 3 it says commit your works unto the lord and your thoughts shall be established uh, the lord has made all things for himself even the wicked for the day of evil verse 1 the preparations of the heart belong to man but the answer of the tongues is from the lord um i think we see here that it's it's clear that um it's god who is really the the arbiter of destinies and not man by merely praying by merely setting plans by merely i don't know going to church or loving people caring for the sick uh doing really part of your duty that that does not bribe god i think we can we can bring in this concept of of god and bribes uh, most of us most of us nowadays or i can say some of us have come to believe that we somehow can bribe god the same way we can bribe our parents by by some good deed you know when you want to be allowed to be out for the evening 
somehow do your chores well you you do them you do them quickly and in time and with much dexterity so that if mom asks where are you going today and like oh you know i'm going to meet this friend of mine and stuff like that we it's actually the english word for it is affectation it's for those of you who people have asked money from you before you've ever seen how someone comes to your inbox and they're like oh hi i've missed you and stuff like that and then, and then they're like but they please send me maybe 100 shillings or whatever the amount uh, you know it's fake in the sense that the beginning the setting of itself the beginning of the entire act is based on kind of deception it's not gen- genuineness genuineness of concern uh, is is beautiful in the sense that it it stems from from a loving heart and not because of anything you want to receive yeah so um as reading that of the bible from our bible there's nothing more instructive than its biographies uh, the biographies of the bible somehow give it a human touch we see in in the end really in the bible i think the question usually is what what really counts in the end in the end of it all what what really is a good life at the end of the road is it is it a lot of money is it a number of children you have is it um i don't know accolades a spiritual nourishment is it is it salvation like what what really is what really is the aim of life and uh, the verse we read from which was proverbs 16 hmm, i'm tired <laughs> since i can't even remember so um proverbs 16 verse 8 says um better is a little with righteousness than great revenue without justice and then we have i think the proverbs 23 verse 4 which says i labor not to be rich cease from your own wisdom of course uh, ecclesiastes 10 19 says that our money is answer for everything and proverbs 10:4 says that diligent hands makes make it rich and slack hands makes someone someone poor so while you have all these ideas is it really what really what really holds what really holds uh, we see in the case of Esau and Jacob when they were fighting over the birthright um, Jacob really took nothing from his father apart from the spiritual blessings in fact Esau was unconcerned about the spiritual blessings which were attendant to being a firstborn son for him he was okay with um the the temporal aspect of it and surely or assuredly jacob left everything to him we see when jacob was returning back to him after is it 14 years or after 20 years 
Kiso had 400 soldiers, meaning he was, he was really a rich man. He was really prospered. Compare that to Abram, his, his grandfather, had an army of 318 men. So he was he was probably even greater than his than his grandfather in the in his in the army which he which he had. But then look at the history many years later. What do you remember of the sons of Jacob of the sons of Jacob? And what do you remember of the sons of Esau? Does this mean that choosing prosperity, temporary prosperity in the long run, in the short term, is detrimental in the long run, should we should you prefer spiritual blessings above and beyond temporal blessings? And is this the lesson of the Bible from the beginning of it? See, um, in suffering is a major theme in Scripture. Everybody suffers, whether you love God or whether you love the devil. We are going to suffer. Suffering is a constant. It gets everyone. Everybody gets to suffer one way or another, whether by the infliction of pain, direct pain, or by the suffering of the people we care about, the people we love. We all suffer one way or another, and suffering is sometimes, sometimes like in the story of Job, it comes about by an interaction between angels and God, demons and God. It's really beyond, we don't know, even God does not care to tell Job why you are suffering. But then he just answers the questions of the how and, and, and the what, you see. And maybe the why. The why is really responded to by other questions. So I think this is the same. It's usually said that the first book to be written was the book of Job. Because it addresses the, the the central human question of suffering. Why do I suffer? Why do I suffer yet I go to church? Why do I suffer yet I I do A, B, C, D? And the answer is simple. We suffer because of sin. We suffer because of our purification. We suffer because of reasons we don't know. And sometimes we suffer because of reasons we know. Sometimes we suffer because of our own actions. We suffer because of the actions of other people. Uh, we suffer because of the actions of demons. We suffer because of the actions of nations, states, and maybe even angels and, and fallen angels. So suffering is is also a constant thing in the Bible. Um, we are going to read up Psalms 23. Uh, it says this... There's uh, David writing about, he's writing a psalm. It says, Psalm chapter 23, or the 23rd psalm. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Your, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we can begin with the last part. Was it really true that goodness and mercy followed David all the days of his life? And then says yes. Why? Goodness doesn't mean the lack of the lack of pain. Goodness basically means the presence of uh, somebody called. I hope there will be no no distraction. No too much drama. So we were we were on the part of goodness and mercy following David all the days of his life. We know that David suffered. In the beginning of his life, he's called the friend of God. And even then, he was still suffering. And uh, mercy. We need mercy on our bad days. Okay, so I think that's, that's clear. So mercy is only applicable to someone who is in dire need of help. So goodness and mercy will follow you when there is badness and evil. Or when there is uh, bad situations and evil situations. So thus you can see, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So even for me and for you, when we when we suffer, when we are in pain, when we are in temptation, and even if we fall, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me and you all the days of our all the days of our, of our lives and when when god brings us back as in which book is that i think it should be uh first john 1 9 first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness uh, the basic thing which keeps us away from from god is sin so if you confess sins then uh, verse 6 of psalm 23 holds surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i'll dwell in the house of the lord forever we see a few psalms later that david sins i think in psalms 51 when he when he does all those sins we know about then he says in psalm 51 verse 1 have mercy upon me O god according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions why verse 3 for i acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me then he said against you you only have i sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be blameless when you judge then he goes on so goodness and mercy when it follows us does it mean that when there's goodness it doesn't mean that there's there's lack of evil or there's no pain does it that that's not the message that's not what the bible is teaching here the bible is teaching according to me that on our bad days on our good days on our evil days on the days of temptation on the days we are weak on the days we are depressed on the days we are anxious even then goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives why because god himself is goodness and mercy um, i think we should we should jump to genesis 15 verse 1 after these things the word of the lord came unto abram 
in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. So God is the prize, as a friend of mine said. God is God is our exceeding great reward. When we have God, then we have everything. In in uh, John 17 verse 3, we read that, and this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom we have sent. So God is an exceeding great reward, because when you know him, we have life, and not just mere life, but life eternal. And then we know the verse in Matthew 6 verse 3, that seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So it's a much of priorities when you seek God as David did as Joseph did as the patriarchs tried to do then these are things will be added to you God is a rich God is not God is not scared by by the lack of money God is not afraid by our lack of getting spouses God is not afraid by our failing school God is not afraid by our taking too long to maybe accomplish this task or to buy a car or to buy a house. He actually knows those things. He knows the things we need even before we pray. But maybe, just maybe, maybe there are lessons he wants us to learn even there. Uh, for we know that patience, for we know that affliction, work it out patience. We see, for the man God has, has really wanted to use greatly in the past, he, he has made them to pass through fire for their purification. Mm, so anyway, Psalms 23 verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If someone, someone is a shepherd when they are leading you, from communities like mine where we, where we take care of animals, a shepherd is basically life and direction and instruction and water and shelter too to an animal. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Does this mean that you never sleep angry? Of course it doesn't mean that you, like David slept angry. Paul slept angry. Um, Jacob did the same. They, they wanted, but it doesn't mean like wanting temporarily. It means in the long run. David says, for as long as I've lived, I've never seen the children of, of the righteous begging for bread. Yeah, maybe they sleep angry in a day or two, but but the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We may, we may we, we may be afflicted for a moment, like Job, but in the long run, in the long span of things, the children of God do not want. So the Lord Himself makes us to lie down in green pastures. Now remember yeah, this psalm was written by, by a shepherd. So the work of a shepherd is to lead like um, sheep to line green pastures when they are fed, well fed. He leads me beside the still waters. So the Lord is a shepherd. He does not want. Um, he finds pastures for them. He finds still waters for them. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, we each have those moments when we feel like our souls are really 
are really low. We we are on the verge of death. I think in scripture there are many there are many people who complain to God that take take my life, kill me now, like I'm tired of living. And what does God do? Most of the times he brings them food or he brings some questions to them. And they usually they usually revived. God restores my soul. Your soul is restored when it means like previously it had wind that's you're you're suffering previously. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So being led means there's a possibility of strain. So the fact that God is leading me and you in the paths of righteousness. Like sheep, we have all wandered astray. But then the shepherd is like, come back, come back, come back. There, there are wolves out there. There are bears out there. There are lions out there. Come back to the, come back to the pack. Come back to the herd. You're safe again. Why does he lead us in the paths of righteousness? Not because of any good thing we have done, but because of his name, for his name's sake. God in heaven says that Jane, Jane is my daughter. Then he tells the angels, do everything to protect my daughter. It's not because Jane is a good person, but because God is a good person. Verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Of course, the, the first part to this is mm, to you or personally. You should not check yourself to a place of danger expecting God to protect you. That's called presumption. You remember when the devil was tempting Christ. Which of this is actually, it's actually from the book of Psalms. I think it's Psalms 91. Psalms 91 verse... Psalms 91 verse 11. It says, For he shall give... He, he is God. For he shall give... Okay. Verse ten, Psalms nineteen, verse ten. There shall no, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. <clears throat> Why? For he, God, <clears throat> shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent shall, shall you tram, trample underfoot. Because you set his love upon me, therefore, mm, 15, he shall call upon me, and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him, and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him, and show him my salvation. The temptation in, in Jesus' time was the beginning of the question. If, if you are the son of God, you remember, after baptism, just before the wilderness experience, God had manifested himself. To Christ saying, what, what was he saying? Um, was it something like, you're my only son in whom I'm well pleased? So if Christ was to yield to the temptation by the devil that jumped from whatever, wherever he was because God, God, God's angels will protect you, you would actually be affirming the doubt which the devil insinuated if you're the son of God. Jumping, not jumping, that's not that's not the thing here. Of course, you you won't have died by jumping. 
and those would have taken him up. But the devil would have won. Why? If, if, if all all the temptations to Christ had an if to them. Hmm? So though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are on your staff. They comfort me. Uh, Isaiah forty-one verse ten. What does it say? Isaiah forty-one verse ten says, um, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yeah, I will help you. Yeah, I will uphold you with my with the right hand of my righteousness." Verse thirteen: For I, the Lord your God, will hold you your right hand, saying unto you, "Fear not, I will help you." God will help us because of His name's sake, but not in vain as we we put ourselves presumptuously. But even 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 if we find ourselves in dangers, we have put ourselves ourselves. God is still there for us. Like mm, for David, the thing he was doing, the thing he was doing with uh, people's husbands and wives, that was that was willful action. But even that, God's mercy was shown to him. But chiefly, this verse I think is about situations which we find ourselves in like for david now for for david being chased around by by king saul with an entire army for many years so in that though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why for you are with me if god is with you then you are safe whether you die or you don't die you're safe with with god I rode on your staff. They comfort me. Mm. Again, we're speaking about the shepherd here. Shepherds walk around with rod and staff. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Mm. I find this rather abstract from my situation. Okay, we can think of it this way. You, you're fighting. You're fighting depression, let's say, and uh, God makes you to to learn so much of depression that you're able to kind of find reprieve and even glory in doing that. That's sort of God setting a table in the face of your enemies, or to put it more simply, you you're fighting the the Syrians, and then God makes you to God makes you to be to be at peace as you're fighting, as you uh, as you're facing your your enemy. Um. So the next part we'll go to is um, Psalm twenty-seven verse one. It says, "And the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life." The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Uh, yeah, then I think you can read it till verse 14. So lastly, we shall go to the valley experience. We, we see, I usually find the book of Psalms very dramatic. 
David moves from really high feelings to very low feelings in in just about a chapter. And then the next one is celebrating, the other one is crying. Yeah, I think it's I think that's why the book of Psalms is relatable because I think that's our human experience. Some days we feel feel very good, we feel we feel we feel we pleased God himself by I don't know, teaching the lesson correctly or talking to so and so then you felt nice, you think now that God loves you. And the next day you wake up, you don't want to study you you just don't you just don't want to wake up. You you stay in bed till ten AM. I think that's the human experience. It's not it's not it's not seen to be to feel bad. If it was seen why would why would God give us bad emotions then? So Psalms forty begins I waited patiently for the Lord and inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of a, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that makes the Lord his trust, and respects not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. I think we, we can finish there. So, in in our affliction, what are you supposed to do? Are we supposed to complain? Are we supposed to, to tell God why we don't have water, we don't have food, we have snakes, our children are dying, our, our clothes are, are wearing off, the heat of the day, the cold of the night, like the Israelites did. No, murmuring, murmuring from scripture is sinful. But there's this prayer. You can tell God the way. I don't like the way I speak. Please help me make that better. Or even better, make me accept that that's how I speak. Okay? Instead of solving the thing, help me to accept things. They usually say that accepting a negative experience is itself a positive experience. If you accept that, you probably... Um, may not find many people to listen to your, to your podcast and then you're going to do the podcast anyway then now you're at peace you you know you're not in control of negative experiences you know you're not in control of anything else apart from that which that which you can do and that's that's freeing that's 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 better really so what do you do when when you're in the valley of death you wait patiently for the Lord. Why? Because if you wait patiently for the Lord, He's going to incline your ears, His ears unto you, and He's going to hear your cry. And when that happens, while you don't know how long that may take in the life of Joseph, he, he, he married when he was age 30, and he was taken as a slave when he was age 17. This is about 13 to 14 years as a slave, okay? So you don't really know how long that's going to take you. It could be a year, it could be 20 years. But you wait, or rather we wait patiently for the Lord. And he, assuredly, as we said, is going to incline unto us. He's going to hear our cries. 
and then he's going to bring us up out of out of this out of this horrible pit this pits we we are in the pits of malfunction the pits of emotional emotional unavailability the pits of academic struggles the pits of financial struggles the pits of the pits of spiritual deadness yeah god can bring us out of if god is god if god is powerful then he can bring us out of these horrible pits these mire clay uh, from my from my live mire clay is like really wet clay from which if if you find yourself inside trying to come out you're going to slide back just to where you are other 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 bible say a bog when any any animal really no matter how how huge if it gets into a bog like it falls inside there forever you're never going to find that animal again but god can bring us out of out of these horrible pits out of the mire clay and is going to set our feet upon a rock and is going to establish our steps then we shall sing praises for him <laughs> i think that's the end so in summary god god is not just the god of the good times he's also the god of the bad times god is not the god of the mountain only is the god of the valley also and the god of everything in between we learned yesterday that god is a god of the mouth <laughs> yeah, so be at peace when you when you're in pain when you're suffering when you are wherever you are god has not forgotten you he hears you he is he has his angels taking charge of you be encouraged